Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the podcast. We are live. How are you doing, Mike? So I was actually thinking too, I just want to talk about a couple of things here. And, and it got me to thinking I was barbecuing over the weekend or during the week, excuse me, before this rain came in. And it got me to thinking of a barbecue conversation we had. Okay. And I don't know if you remember this, but just like most times when we hang out, we're always talking about stocks. And what came up was market capitalization, which we've talked a lot about on the pod, which is outstanding number of shares times the price gives you the market cap. And when we were talking on my, and maybe you could help refresh my memory at my barbecue, we were talking about Apple hitting a trillion, right? Or was it 500 billion, right? This is... This is right. I totally remember this. This must have been, I know it's in the place that you're in now. So maybe four or four years ago or so that we were, it was a summer night. I remember it was probably a lot like this. We're out barbecuing and I think it was Apple. It just hit 500 billion market cap. And we were talking about, that was, that was a big deal for us. It was the largest company we had seen. And it by far dwarfed the biggest before. It was maybe early 90s, Exxon got into the high 400s. And then before yep. the dot-com bust, Cisco, I think maybe got into the to the 400s. But 500 was a big deal. And I remember at that time saying to you, you had your little green smoker out that thing that you do the yep. veggies on with the bobs. And we're talking and I thought about it. And again, my favorite, one of my favorite ways to value stocks, right, is how much room does it have to grow? So if we're talking a company that's 100 million, a lot easier to go from 100 million to 200 million than a double from say 500 million to 1 trillion. And I remember thinking, it's just like, I, is Apple gonna get to a trillion dollars? Cause it has to double from 500 million to get to a trillion. And I remember saying, it's like, I don't, I don't know if it's gonna, I don't know if it's gonna do it. I, I, can't I think it. I even told you, there's no way Apple's gonna hit a trillion. I think I said that. Um, and Apple, here we are today. So we, this was probably four years ago, four and a half. Apple's at 2.2 trillion as of the 25th of June. And the reason why we're bringing a market cap, and by the way, Apple on a side note, they're what they call a sideways stock where a stock goes up, obviously it's up, stock goes down, goes down. Sideways is mean like there really hasn't really been much movement. And in 2021, Apple is probably the biggest sideways stock of the year. And I'm still a fan of it. I still have a huge position and I'm still buying more of it too. But to your point, this is, we talk a lot about uh, DCA, about dollar cost averaging. This is a good example, Mm -hmm. a nice stalwart blue chip. If it goes sideways for six, eight months or a year, that's actually a beautiful thing for long-term holders like you and I, because in periods like this before with Apple, where it didn't do anything. And you, again, you fast forward four and a half, five years or whatever, and all these shares that, that you're accumulating, even if it's fractional shares, when it's not going anywhere, looks really good down the line. So I'm with you. I've been adding to Apple as well. I think I'm going to take a look at maybe even adding a little bit more Apple because I can use fractional shares. So if you want to throw 50 bucks at it, 
$300, $3,000, whatever you have the ability to do that. But the reason why I want to bring up market cap for you, Nate, is because Microsoft broke $2 trillion, uh, this week. That's right. Second company to do $2 trillion. And the funny thing to think about both of these, these companies. And, and I know Apple where you're going with this. Go ahead. Is just that if, we, again, four and a half, five years ago, it's probably closer to five years ago that we're saying it was at 500 and it's doubled to 1 trillion. Since the 1 trillion, it's doubled again. So it's basically a four bagger in the span of, of five years. That, that to me is crazy that yes, we went from 500 billion to 1 trillion and went from 1 trillion to 2 trillion. And now Microsoft is the second company to also have reached $2 trillion. And to me, I was just... I was talking to my girlfriend the other night about this. And I was like, it's actually, these numbers are so big. I don't even know how to calculate. I had to stop and think. I was like, how many, how many commas are in a trillion, right? It's four, four commas. So it's like 12 zeros after the number. That number is so big. It really is hard to fathom how that is. And when we were talking 500 billion, as I said, seemed a huge number, right? Well, and I think a couple of things, and that, that's the, going back to Apple, if you tried to really uh, conceptualize how much revenue they generate. I don't think your brain can actually conceptualize how much money Apple makes and how much money, how much cash they have that they just don't even use because of the tax implications. Kind of like trying to really see how, you know, try to conceptualize how much, how many stars there are in the galaxy or whatever. If, if you were to look back on that porch four and a half years ago besides me burning the vegetables <laughs> i think we didn't think microsoft would have been the stock that would have hit the two trillion club first if we we're saying what company would have hit two two trillion fastest i think we would have both agreed it would have been amazon yeah and as i recall it probably went something like this because a lot of time we do these things where we talk about making bets or whatever and just right. like in uh in craps where you could play the field. Although I thought Amazon, if we were actually making some sort of wager and I had the option, I would have said, I'll take the field, right? The, the S&P 500, because yep. maybe it could be another company that we don't even know about yet. What do you think Amazon's at? I've not checked this in a while, but I'm just going to guess is it's in the 1.4 1, 1. maybe? 1.7 trillion. So the thing that is also crazy about it is when we talk about how big these numbers are, it's weird because we can almost diminish it. We're talking uh, Amazon's at 1.7 trillion dollars and we're already talking as it's a formality that there's only going to be a certain amount of time before it reaches 2 trillion. Two, so yep. it, ha it has to go up another 300 billion dollars to get to 2 trillion, right? 300 billion dollars is is bigger than Costco, it's bigger than Home Depot. It's mm -hmm. so that's when you think about just Ooh, that. that's a weird way. That's Think about it, right? Man, like all right, all right, all right, you got me thinking here. Because when you say Amazon 1.7 trillion. I'm like, all right, we're right. We're all, we're pretty much, let's just round up yeah. 2 trillion. Mm -hmm. We're pretty much there, but you're going and saying the market cap of Amazon from 1.7 to two is essentially $3 billion, which I'm going to yeah. bring up home Depot. Home Depot is 334 billion. So you'd have to do <laughs> That's the market cap of home Depot to get to a trillion. But it's crazy because ah. we're talking about it as it's a formality. And I, I don't think you and I disagree. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when that right. uh, Amazon gets there. As we were talking last time, 
instead of getting hung up on uh, on share price of a company, is looking at where that market cap is, right, as a way to judge if you think the company has room to grow. Again, taking those shares, multiplying by the price, and it's just back of the envelope math about how much you think the company as a whole is worth. And then that just leads to the question, if Apple's at 2 trillion, Microsoft's at 2 trillion, Amazon's knocking on the door, a double from there is 4 trillion, right? So start talking yeah. about that. Again, if you give me the option, what's the company that gets to 4 trillion first? Is it one of those companies or are you taking, are you taking the field? Right. Or, in, you know, NVIDIA's already at 500 billion. This I mean, is the conversation. There as well too. So yeah. mark, mark this one. Is this the conversation we're going to be having in five years that uh, NVIDIA has surpassed a trillion is already is doubled again? I mean, knows, but I, there, I, it just shows I, we're only, I mean, the world is only getting bigger, right? Uh, there's more people, there's more technologies. So I look at it as 2 trillion now. It's not the same way as when I looked at Apple's, Apple five years ago at 500 and like, did they have room to grow? That's totally out of my mind now. It's just that four trillion is is it's only a matter of time with these companies. I don't see them slowing down. Facebook is somewhere in between, is a little bit above that. So is Facebook the next one to get to a trillion? Facebook right now, ooh, nine hundred and sixty-seven billion. I got an idea for you. We've been talking about this, and you mentioned you may need a little more encouragement with with Facebook <laughs> if it gets to a trillion dollars. That's a nice round number. So I don't know. I guess you could project based on uh, how many shares are outstanding. You could do a back of the envelope math again to figure out if it got to a trillion dollars, what the share price would be. And uh, if you're if you're looking for a time frame, a reason to do it, that's a pretty good story. Holding it from IPO to a trillion. And then you could also have the added benefit of saying, you know what? I'm out of this stock that I don't really, the, the company doesn't make me feel good. I'm putting it out there. I like that. I, I can picture the bumper sticker already in my car. I I owned a stock to a trillion uh, market cap and all I got was this bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think- uh, And the tax, capital gain taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I actually think Google, I'm going uh, just gut here. I think Google will get to 2 trillion before Amazon does. Interesting. What is what is your? Do you have a line of thinking on why you think the Google gets there? If I'm going pure gut, I think Amazon benefited a lot from the pandemic. Um, I don't think as many people are actually. I think like for example, and this is what I love about Google. And it sorry it took me so long to get on the Google train. I think they're undervalued. I think they have more value to grow. Um, you said it before, they, they have five different units that have a billion users of Gmail, um, YouTube, uh, uh, Google, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think people are going to Google less. I don't think people are going to watch less YouTube. I don't think any of that's going to happen, but I do think a lot of people were getting Amazon pre pan or because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, really nothing's stopping Google. I mean, maybe some privacy act, something like that, but I, I just think they're so built to just get bigger and bigger. There is no shortage of people that uh, are going to Google stuff. It's one of those stocks that we talk about that's a verb too, right? I mean, it's used interchangeably with internet search. It's just Googling something. I just think actually Google of all the stocks we've listed is my favorite of all those stocks. Yeah, and I mean, I'm with you. I couldn't have segued this any better. All those stocks we were just talking about, Apple, Microsoft, 
Amazon, Facebook, and Google. There is a way where you can own all those stocks under one account. And do you know what that's called? Is this like uh, index investing here through either we're, mutual funds or ETFs? We're talking ETFs, all one right. of my favorite subjects, exchange traded funds. And essentially we've talked about it before in the pod, ETF is a combination of stocks that are put together. But the big thing we talk about ETFs and what I wanna go over today is some fun ETFs is I found this website and you've done a fantastic job before too, Nate. By the way, we're not affiliated with any of these websites. We are looking for sponsorships. Feel free to let us know. You did a great job telling me about finviz.com, which has great things with charts. And um, it's got all the informations with market cap and dividends and great information. But I found this website called etf.com. And etf.com is all about ETFs. So this is the rabbit hole I went down on. You ready to go a little ETF stuff? Lay it on me. Now, you, I'm not going to steal your thunder here, but you made a great comment about ETFs. And before we look at this first kind of rabbit hole ETF I found, tell me a little bit about expense ratios. Expenses, as we talked about, are, are the enemy of, uh, of any investor. And whether we're investing in um, ETFs or mutual funds and whatever the sector is, the industry or broad market, you're always looking for the expense ratio. The expense ratio is just the portion of the money that you invest that goes to the management team, whether it's passive or active. Somebody is picking those stocks, somebody's making the trade, somebody's doing the research, and that's the money that uh, pays the professionals. You're just doing a passive fund, meaning that stocks are in there and they're always staying the same. That's going to have a lower expense ratio. Usually, a lot of times, if you see a higher expense ratio, it's probably because it's actively managed, meaning that there's stocks being added, stocks being taken out, more costs. Ultimately, it's just taking away from your return. So we've talked about the gold standard and in funds, and it's always Vanguard. They have the lowest fees. If we're starting off for expense ratio, we should always judge it to something like the VTI, the Vanguard total market, which only has an expense ratio of point. 0.03%. So if you were investing $10,000, 0.03% is, is $3. So you could look at it at this way, just $3 right off the top is taken away from your investment. And that's probably as low as you're going to find. I'm more of a VOO kind of guy. The VOO is the S&P 500, but- Rock bottom too. I think that I is like also the same thing, 0.03%. So if you, nice round number, $10,000 you're investing, your $3 is just, is going- on top, that's as low as you're going to probably find. I'm curious when we get to these, this is one thing we're going to look at because it is always worth keeping in mind what kind of fees you're paying because it's taking away from your total return. What do you got? Called T-Pay, T-P-A-Y. And essentially what I got from it is this is an ETF with all digital payments. So if you're trying to find a digital payment and what's kind of nice with ETF.com is it actually breaks down like what, you know, the, what the sector is, what digital payments are, et cetera, et cetera. So let me tell you the holdings in this one. The first one, do you know what this is? After Matt, after pay limited? I do. It trades what on is the, it? Because they don't even have a link on it. It trade, it trades on the, uh, Australian stock market. It's a, um, Whoa. it's the, it's like the Australian version of, uh, what is a, a firm? The one where you can break it up in payments. Like Peloton so, uses? Yes. So Afterpay does this. It was started in 
Australia. And I don't know if this is for sure, but I, I, they might be looking to get listed on an American stock exchange because I don't think it, it I don't think it's even an ADR, meaning uh, American depository receipt where they make a, they create a symbol where it trades on a, on an American exchange. So I, I don't think you and I could buy this unless we had a brokerage and we had international access. So this is also another point with ETFs too. They can give you exposure to companies that you might not otherwise have access to because they trade outside of the United States, but it's Australian company. And they do those, one of those ones where you, you buy now you pay later and they break up the payments. And I have to go back. I already broke my number one, my rule, the expense ratio before we get into these is 0 0.40%. 0 0.4 is definitely not the worst thing I, I've seen. So again, if we had a round number, 10,000, $40 off the top is the fees. That's, that's not going to make or break you. Look, I know we're paying 0.4%, but already right off the bat, they're top holding. You tell me that some company I can't even own. That's kind of cool. I, I like that. So DocuSign is next. I like DocuSign. I think this is a good way where you can own DocuSign. You've got Afterpay in there. Square Incorporated is next. Do you own Square? I do. You seem like a guy that would own Square. I also own DocuSign. Um, so, so far uh, out of the three, um, no Afterpay, but I own DocuSign and Square. Big fans add into both. Next was going to be PayPal. So right off the bat, and I know you own PayPal. Mm -hmm. You're a big fan. You want to add more to it. I kind of like PayPal that they own Venmo. Mm -hmm. I learned that from this podcast. <laughs> but right off the bat, you can see Afterpay, DocuSign, Square Incorporated, PayPal. We're hitting them all. Then we've got the three amigos in pay here, in my opinion, which are going to be MasterCard, American Express, Visa. I'm a big fan of this space in general, whether we call it credit cards or we call it payments or payment processing. It's only more and more things that we are buying. It's only more and more transaction transactions that we're that we're doing online. And even if you're doing any of these in store, especially with the with the three that you mentioned right there with MasterCard, Visa, and American Express, every time you swipe your card or you run your card, every time you make an order online, they're just getting a little piece of that uh, little piece of that transaction, right? And here's what I always say. This is like uh, Coca-Cola, right? When times are bad, people drink a Coca-Cola. When times are good, people drink a Coca-Cola. When times are bad, people still use their credit cards. When times are good, people still use their credit cards. So I'm a big fan of payment processing. Well, and here's what's kind of nice. I know we were kind of, uh, uh, not to contradict ourselves, kind of bashing expense ratios, but what's nice is if, let's say there's this cool new uh digital payment that comes in, you don't have to do any work. They're going to put it in there and take something out. Mm -hmm. We've got Lending Club even in there. Do you know what Lending Club is? I used to use Lending Club way back in the day. Were you used... one of the people that lent the money or were you one of the people that borrowed the money? I was one of the people that lent the money. When I actually used it, going back to um, the bear market of 2008, 2009, the financial crisis, this is one of those times where I said one of my mistakes was I didn't continue to add during stock. So what I did is I looked for alternatives. So I didn't put more money in the stock market. So I was looking at other ways to generate returns. And a coworker had told me about Lending Club. And I looked into it and I was like, oh, this is like similar to a bond. I lo loan money and I can get a payment back every month. This person is paying off. So I did that for basically all throughout 2009. And actually, I didn't do bad. I think I ended up making an 11% return that year. But had I put that money just again in stocks, 
buying all the way down, it probably looking back now would have been a lot better return, but I used it. I'm going to put you on the spot. Mm -hmm. Would you rather you have a thousand bucks? Would you rather do lending club or put it in T-Pay, the ETF? I love the, would you rather? I would put it in T-Pay. Yeah. Here's what I also found. Here's what I also found too, is that there was a lot of people defaulting on their, their loans. So it wasn't, wasn't much different. So I did, as I said, I did pretty good, but there was still a lot of loans where people just a lot of risk. Yeah. I mean, again, I tried to balance it out with, uh, I mean, the rate borrows right by, by credit score. So there was a lot of good credit scores where the interest rates are lower in the 6% range. But then I would take a flyer every now and then on somebody that was getting 19, 20% interest. Shocker, right? Newsflash here. People with the 19, 20% interest rate defaulted quite a bit more than, than, the, than the borrowers that were getting 6% interest. But totally. I'd put my money in T-Pay. But what I like about the T-Pay one is, is this is a good way if you want to have digital payment exposure without the cryptocurrency. Yeah, you get a lot of exposure through Bitcoin from both PayPal and Square, just by the fact that you can buy them through your accounts and, and both of those. So they both have it on their balance sheet. So a good way to get exposure. If I was actually um, the, the person managing T-Pay, and maybe they did this on purpose, sorry, T-Pay. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the PayPal holdings here. I would actually add Coinbase to it. Because Coinbase is the number one way to buy cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And it's not a really a crypto play because it's more or less the tool to use crypto. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I, I would probably put it somewhere. I kind of like the afterpay idea. I like the DocuSign. I like the Square Incorporated. I like the PayPal, the MasterCard, American Express, Visa. I'd probably put it right behind Visa, sandwiched in between Visa and Fidelity. So, that's T-Pay. Here's my next rabbit hole. I want to play some video games. <laughs> so I actually did a search with Activision Blizzard. I've owned Activision probably going on six years now. And I remember the first time I ever looked at Activision, it was trading at about $15 in 2012. And this again goes back to our whole point. Don't be scared off by the, the share price. This is back in my, my earlier days and the same way that you could be scared off by a number that's too big for a share price. I psychologically used to get scared off by a small number. So $15 is just, I used to think that if it's $15, it must be that low for, for a reason. And it works both ways. I mean, so $15, it was just way undervalued at that time. So I wish I had done it because I didn't end up buying until a couple of years later and it had tripled from that point. So I think I bought it at $45 was my, was the first time that I, that I bought it, but I wish and I had bought it. What when was that symbol 15. for Activision? ATVI. Yeah. And Activision, that's actually what's most people don't realize. Maybe everyone knows this. You're going back to, uh, Atari 2600. Yep. That's Activision, right? Not, I used to play uh, Pitfall, right? It was Pitfall. made by, oh, oh, yeah. Made Pitfall by, too? Oh, yeah. yeah River, River Raid. Activision. They have, um, they're trading at $92 a share. Um, they have actually uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, that's their, that's their the biggest franchise, franchise probably is the Call of Duty. I think it's a, on its own, a billion dollar franchise, right? A billion dollars a year just from uh, from the Call of Duty. This is a video game ETF. I started with Activision because Activision is one of the best performing stocks in the last 15 years. Number one, come and this is ESPO, is the uh, ETF symbol. 
expense ratio. We're getting a little bit higher here, 0.55%. Yeah. And then Nate, do you actually have this pulled up? Cause I'm going to go through the top 10 holdings here. Yeah, I can see this. All right. So we've got NVIDIA first. Do you own NVIDIA? Um, just the stock individually? It's been on a I, tear, by I, the way. I do. And I like I like stocks that have uh, multiple paths to to victory, multiple ways. Explain. So NVIDIA makes semiconductors, chips. They make chips for computers that you play video games on. They make graphic processing units for, for computers that for gaming, but then also for a lot of the machines, the rigs that try to mine cryptocurrencies, you need a lot of processing power. They make those. Most cars now are starting to be uh, connected via the internet or cars that are gonna be autonomous. They're gonna need chips too. So that right there is just three paths. I mean, when we think of one thing, a semiconductor, those are three different industries that NVIDIA makes chips for, right? Don't we just pick one semiconductor? I'm going with NVIDIA. Lots of different ways to win. You know, they didn't look, the valuation isn't there for me. I'm a little bit on the conservative side. Um, I didn't think they were going to break 500. I didn't think they were going to break six. And here they are trading at $761 a share. Technically, they do pay a dividend as well too. They're hands down the best semiconductor out there, in my opinion, right? Next actually is going to be C-Limited, which is a Singapore company, but you do have the sponsored ADR Class A shares into it. Do you own the C-Limited? I do. I am a huge fan of C-Limited. In fact, if all the things we've talked about so far that uh, we own, it's be the one that I'd probably be adding to the most. So it's really, yes. So it's right. It's right in the name C limited. So C limited stands for Southeast Asia. I just talked about with NVIDIA multiple paths to victory. I like C limited because not only is it the largest video game maker in Southeast Asia, but they also have a burgeoning e-commerce platform to, to buy stuff online. And then they have their own version of, uh, PayPal there to pay for the stuff. So they have a payment processing, they have e-commerce, and then they have the video games. And they now are branched out and they're a competitor to uh, Mercado Libre in uh, in South America. Well, let me ask you this too, because I think one way or another, this will uh, surprise you. And this goes back to, again, our earlier talk about uh, market capitalization. So without looking, if you're thinking this is a top 10 holding in a uh, video game ETF. If you just had to ballpark it, what do you think uh, the market cap of uh, of C-Limited is? I'm going to say 15 billion. So this, I mean, it proves my point one way or another, whether you are close or whether you're off. It's a company that, that you weren't familiar with and therefore didn't have an idea. Last time I looked was about $148 billion market cap. And that just goes That's back McDonald's. to- that's what we're talking about. A company that you weren't very familiar with. I was not familiar with it until roughly this time last year. I heard about it on another podcast and started looking into it. And I was amazed at that time. I don't know what the market cap uh, of it was then. It's gone up quite a bit over the last year. But it just shows too the idea of just companies that we're not even familiar with and how big they already are and still how much room there could be to grow in the, uh, in the space. I mean, Southeast Asia is a huge place. The fact that they're branching out to South America so at one point, I mean, in the future, it could be a worldwide company for video gaming, for e-commerce and for payments. So it's not there on the, uh, the valuation yet, but I'm thinking in terms of, of potentially 
what it could be. Again, talking about our difference in, in philosophies and investment styles. Um, next, after uh, the, this is just the video game ETF, and I'm not going to go through all of them, just some ones that stick out to me. I like it as he got Nintendo in here. This is uh, international too. One of the boys uh, owns Nintendo. It was his very first ever stock pick uh, for Christmas. Got him a uh, stockpile gift card and he used it to buy Nintendo. We got the Nintendo, which is kind of cool. Activision, we've talked about. You're, are you still buying Activision in there? Yep. I mean, the Call of Duty franchise, they've got all those like the the phone, the, the games on the phones. Mm -hmm. They've just crushed it. Good management. Right. I think of all the stocks we've listed, if you probably looked at it, even with NVIDIA going from 133 in 2018 to 760, I bet you Activision's probably the best performing stock of the last 10 years if we looked at it, wouldn't you think? I'm looking here. There's one that's I they could give it a run for its money. I'm looking at it here in the top 10 list and I see a company called NetEase. Net give it to me straight. NetEase uh, looks like this is international too. It's a Chinese company that makes video games. Also has multiple paths. Again, they have a little bit of an e-commerce platform and a little bit of a, a payment uh, system too. If you're picking up on a trend here, I really like, and this seems to be common with, with game manufacturers, they're able to also do e-commerce as well, right? They can sell their stuff online and then making a payment platform to pay for it. So this one is based out of China. So I'm not sure if NetEase has outperformed Activision Blizzard over the last 10 years, but it has been around for, I want to say for, for 20 years. And I looked into it and it came up on a, a stock stream I was doing about the three years ago and and I invested in it, didn't do anything with it for a long time. And then I've occasionally added more, but uh, I thought it was a way to get international exposure as well as is getting into uh, video games payment. Well, and that's, what's kind of cool with this ETF. And I just want to wrap up talking about this ETF. I got like a couple more rabbit holes. I want to go through that. This is what I like about this one so far is a, if you're a video game guy, you've got you know, take two interactive, you've got EA electronic arts with Madden, you've got the Roblox, you've got the Nintendo, you've got the Activision. And then Nate, you, 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 well, first of all, you've got NVIDIA too. But then you've also what you've told me that I've learned about is you've got international companies that give you more digital currency exposure, and international upside that are all in one ETF. So, all right, I'm putting you on the spot here. ESPO, T-Pay, you got a thousand bucks of free money. What are you putting it towards? This is a tough one here because I can I can go back and forth. Uh, looking at, again, just the top 10 tollings that we, that we talked about, there's some that make me think I'd want to go with uh, payment processing and the fintech stuff. But then I am a big fan of uh, the, the gaming stuff yeah. as well. So I'm going to go with, uh, with T-Pay. I think there's still just more pass to victories when it comes to payments. There's only going to be more and more stuff that we buy online here. And this is the other thing. We think about it in terms of, of the U.S., right, with our 400 or so million yep. people in this country. But worldwide, 7 billion people. And this is where I like a lot of uh, companies like uh, Square, PayPal, MasterCard, Visa. They're also looking at payment processing outside of the U.S. I mean, credit cards are a mainstay here, but... They're not nearly as, as much outside of the U.S., the numbers. So I think there's so much room for growth, and especially as other countries start having burgeoning middle classes and have disposable income. I got to tell you, I think I like the T-Pay a lot more. I don't have, and maybe I'm talking post-pre-pandemic kind of stuff, 
I think the video games are going to take a little bit of a dip with the pandemic portion of things. I, I just think MasterCard, American Express, Visa, you can use those to buy video games. You can use those to go to football games. You can use those things to travel and do, you know, it's, it's kind of exponentially more what you can do. You got the DocuSign in there. And I, 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 we talked about this so many times before, which one do you like better? MasterCard, Microsoft, Visa, PayPal, just buy them all with the T-Pay. So, so I'm going T-Pay on that. I, yeah. I, if I had to pick one between the two and it's a lower expense ratio. That's a good place to wrap up for this week, but we're going to continue this. We'll make this a two-parter. So we're going to pick up next week with more talk about ETFs here. And as always, you can reach us on social media at Gmail at twobudstalkstocks at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at twobudstalkstocks. If you like what you uh, hear, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can always leave us a rating and a review. We appreciate all the feedback. And also, big shout out to our international listeners. We now have listeners in the United Kingdom and Sweden, as well as Canada. And as always, we appreciate it. Keep listening. We'll try to keep putting out good stuff for you. Thanks again. Mike, I will talk to you next week, bud. Take care, bud.